And I just felt something on that. Um, there was a line in that song, I thank God, about he changed my name. And I believe God's changing some names today. So I'm so glad that you're here in worship. If you're, uh, again, if you're a guest, we welcome you. Welcome those watching online and by television. We believe God is present with you and ready to speak with you today as well. I'm going to explain these jumper cables in just a moment. As I was joking with the services earlier today, these are not here uh, to keep you away because you watched Bo Nix until midnight last night. Um, <clears throat> some of you are like, yeah, I meant to be at the earlier service. That's why I'm here at 11, but that's okay. You're here now, so let's uh, see what God has to speak to us today. As, uh, as Jared was mentioning, we're continuing in this series of 50 Days in Mission, and we're looking at how can we live on mission with God? How can we become part of what the heart of God is seeking to do in the world? And and so I'm excited to dive in today to the topic of evangelism and what uh, the, the part that evangelism plays in that and how we can do that. But before we get started, we want to do what we do every week, which is remember uh, that the kingdom of God is really bigger uh, than, than just us here at Fraser. We are part of um, a holy Catholic church, a universal body of Christ in this place and around the world. And so a couple things I want to mention with that. One is uh, many of you have heard about uh, some kind of an arson attack on First Baptist Church. I want to let you know that um, our leadership has reached out to them, and, and we've offered to resource them any way we could, and we're so thankful for how they're continuing in worship this morning. And uh, you may think I'm being cute by saying this, but I'm really not. I'm really uh, completely serious. Uh, one of the, the thing that pastors, we pastors pray for more than anything is fire in our church, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so I actually believe that, um, uh, would you agree with me that God is going to pour out a double blessing of Holy Spirit fire in that church because of what the enemy tried to bring against them with a physical fire? Amen. Also this morning, as we're going through this year mission, we want to be praying for our mission partners, our local mission partners, our global mission partners. And so today, um, I'm just thankful to have the opportunity to pray for Kevin King and the King's Canvas. This is a local uh, ministry that we support here at Fraser. I got to know Kevin a number of years ago. I think Fraser has been supporting him for about um, nine years. He started uh, as a, a, a missionary really with Common Ground, if y'all are familiar with that ministry over in um, uh, Washington uh, Park area, reaching out to kids there, sharing the gospel, building up, them up with after-school programs and community development. And uh, it was so cool to get to know Kevin and see his, his passion uh, for the loss, his passion for Christ. Um, but he's actually an example of some of the things we've been talking about in this series. If you remember, if you were here last week, Pastor Chris talked about vision and how God unfolds vision to us about how we can uh, bring about God's desired future. And so uh, Kevin was uh, working with kids, but one of his other gifts was he, he was an artist. Uh, and uh, he began to have a vision for not only um, doing art himself in a way that would glorify God, but actually creating spaces for other artists um, to use their gifts and talents, especially artists in underserved communities, un under-recognized communities. And so um, he's created the King's Canvas for that purpose. So excited about what God's doing there. I want you to watch a video um, that we did with him where he explains a little bit more about that. Well, see, the way I look at evangelism uh, is, is sort of different because uh, I'm really big into relationships. And so I started the King's Canvas as a way to provide opportunity and assets for underdeveloped and underexposed artists. And given the development and exposure, I knew that that would send us on a trajectory where um, 
that particular uh, people group can thrive. In Genesis chapter 1, the first thing uh, we learn about God is the fact that he's creator. And so the king's canvas is a declaration that we are all the king's canvas. He created all of us. This crown, it doesn't represent Kevin King. The crown represents the reign and rule of Christ because he's literally sitting at the seated at the right hand of the Father right now, reigning and ruling, and one day he's going to return for his people. And so for me, my approach in evangelism um, is rooted in me understanding how God created people. You know, I remember it was a time when I was student at Tuskegee University where we used to go door to door, and I don't have any problem with doing door to door evangelism at all. But one of the things we noticed is that it didn't give us an opportunity to develop real relationships apart from this shotgun blast view of evangelism. Once we moved into the community, they taught me something different because I got a chance to actually be with people. When we are in real relationships with people, we get to sit with people in their pain. We get to sit with people uh, when they experience uh, happiness or gladness. Uh, we get to be with people when they're joyful and unjoyful, going through real life situations. So it's in those moments where we get a chance to actually minister to people. For me, that's how evangelism happens, right? Anything can be used as an opportunity for worship and evangelism. So, you know, uh, for those of us, you know, who are not pastors, uh, the people who are on the ground, just uh, lay people, uh, those are powerful opportunities for us to just display the glory of God in our everyday living as we enter into relationships with people. Amen. Can we praise God for what he's doing at King's Canvas? Let's pray for, for them and for ourselves today as we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you for the things you have already spoken over us as we come to worship and pray and experience your presence. And so we just present ourselves now open to your heart. And as we do, we want to lift up our brother uh, Kevin King to you and his whole ministry at King's Canvas. I pray that you would pour out uh, fresh anointing on him. I pray that you would give him wisdom, that you would give him guidance, that you would give him courage and strength, that you would continue to give him uh, creativity and vision. And uh, Lord, that you would resource him with everything that uh, he needs and that the community he's building needs to accomplish the vision and purpose that you have given them. And I pray that people around the world would come to Montgomery and see the works of arts that are being created here and that it would result in glory and honor being given to your name, Lord Jesus, and people coming to know Christ through this ministry. And so now, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every one of us and show us how we can do the same thing, how we can build relationships, how we can be connected to you and to others in a way that advances your kingdom. Lord, I ask you right now to go ahead of us and create divine appointments throughout this week ahead when we will have the opportunity to connect other people to Jesus Christ, maybe for the very first time, that you would equip us today, that we would know when we leave here that you are able to use us, that you desire to use us, and that you have empowered us by your spirit. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, I don't know if you noticed a word that Kevin really uh, referred to, and that word was relationship. And that's really where we're going to focus in as we're talking about evangelism. Evangelism it just comes from a Greek word that means to tell the good news. Good news, not just in the sense of like advertising a product, but good news specifically in the sense of like announcing that there's a new king and therefore a new reality in the world. And so as we're talking about evangelism, it really comes down to that word relationship. Um, because what I'm hoping that you're seeing unfold as we go through this 50 days of mission is that this is a heart-to-heart 
process, that it all starts, we started the first week with intimacy with God. And so what that says is God has a heart of love. And I don't just mean love in sort of a mushy, gushy, sentimental sense, but God has a heart that is on fire. He has a passionate love. He has a zealous love. He has a desire to be in relationship with all uh, that he has created. And so his, uh, his desire of his heart draws us into relationship with him. And as we come close to his heart, then our heart catches fire with the same things that are burning in his heart. So we develop this passion for the harvest, this desire for the lost to see the world uh, saved, renewed, and restored, because that's what's in the heart of God. And as, as we catch that fire then from the heart of God into our heart, then we begin to open our mind to visions and dreams that the Holy Spirit gives us of, of a future that he can lead us into and how he specifically wants to use us as individuals, as couples, as, as families, and even as a church together to bring about his mission in the world. And that leads us to then today that, that next step is the nuts and bolts of, okay, as I'm beginning to discover God's vision for my life, as I'm seeking to, to step into his calling for me, how do I actually go about taking this fire that he's put in my heart that came from his heart and connecting it to another person's heart so that they experience that same love of God and that same transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And so the image that I want us to use today is this, this image of the jumper cables. Anybody here ever had to have your car jumped off? You ever had to help somebody else jump their car off? Anybody? Good. It's not just me um, that um, you know, left the lights on or whatever. And so you have to get that battery jumped. So what do you need actually to jump a car off? Well, you need um, some, some good jumper cables, right? But if that's all you have, um, does it work? What else do you need? Yeah, if you have a dead battery, um, you need a, a living battery, so to speak, right? If you have a powerless battery, you need a battery that has power in it. You need a working battery, and you need to make a connection between the two. So what we want to talk about today is evangelism is really about connecting three things together. It's about connecting God's story, my story, and your story. God's story, my story, and the story of the person that I'm seeking um, to evangelize, to, to lead to know Jesus Christ. It's about connecting those three things uh, together into relationship with one another so that the power of God can transform that person's life. And so the first thing we have to understand is it does start with God's story. That we're just um, the cable, you know, we're just the connector. And if we're trying to change people's lives with just our own human effort, with our own human ideas, we're not going to get very far. We're not going to get really any farther than just hooking a pair of cables between two dead batteries and sitting there watching them. We need to have a power source, which means we need to be connected to God's story. We need to be connected to God's power. And so uh, the scripture says to us in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, this, this anchor verse is telling us that, yes, we have a part in the process. We have to extend our faith to partner um, with God, to enter into a relationship with him. But it is initiated by God. It is by grace, not from you, but by the grace of God that salvation happens. And so, um, you know, there's many definitions of grace. Some call it the unmerited favor of God. It's the power of God working within us to transform us. But the definition, the simple definition that I like to use is grace is just that God goes first. 
God goes first. He is the one who initiates relationship. He loved us before we loved him. He moves in us before we move towards him. If, we're, if we ever have the thought to pray, it's because God prompted us to want to pray to start with. And so God goes first. The grace of God is present to us. So we need to know that our power source is not coming from ourselves. It's coming from the grace of God. So we need to be connected to the story of God, which is telling us really that our salvation, again, although we receive it by faith, we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in Jesus Christ, and he is the story that we are connecting to. The whole story of Jesus is the good news for us. If you leave today with nothing else, I hope that you would um, digest this idea that the good news of the gospel is Jesus. It's not about Jesus. Jesus isn't a part of it. Jesus is the good news. The person of Jesus is the good news of salvation. Here's what I mean by that. If you, if you um, grew up in the church like I did, maybe you were taught evangelism in a certain way that, um, that somehow evangelism or the gospel was like maybe five or six verses from the book of Romans. You know, like the, like the whole Bible's good, but we're going to pick out these five verses from Romans, and these are the gospel. And uh, the gospel is basically the steps you need to take to make sure you're not going to hell when you die. And Jesus can help you with that if you'll ask him into your heart which is part of the good news. I'm very thankful that Jesus, because of Jesus, I'm not going to hell, that I can live forever uh, in heaven with God. But that's not the whole story. The whole story of the Bible from beginning to end is about Jesus Christ. And the whole finished work of Jesus is the good news for us. See, Jesus is not just a tool to help you in your story. Jesus is the story. He's what it's all about. He's the center of creation and the universe. And so, you know, there may be, um, sometimes we think of evangelism, I just don't know how that I've been taught enough to actually present the gospel. Well, here's the thing. As much as you know about Jesus and his story, that's the gospel. Share that. And so, you know, I was taught some different tools like the, the four spiritual laws or something. You may have heard of some different tools for sharing the gospel, but here's another tool that you can use to memorize Um, to share the story of God. You ready for it? I'm going to give you this tool, okay? Uh, It starts like this. I believe in God the Father Almighty. That tells me that there's a Father God who actually loves me, who created me, that I don't just exist for myself, that I'm created to be in relationship with God. I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, that he has actually revealed himself in a human being who is the Lord of my life, who is the one that I uh, exist Uh, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All my life should be about him. I believe that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which means he wasn't just a man, that he is actually divine. He is actually God taking initiative to come into the world. He was born of the Virgin Mary, which means he was fully human, which means he understands all of my struggles and my weakness. And God and humanity came together in this man, Jesus Christ, so that I could experience relationship with God. I believe that he suffered under Pontius Pilate because he loved me before I ever loved him. I believe that he was crucified. And he was buried, which means that my sin has been paid for and atoned for, that I have, I have forgiveness through his blood and through his body. And on the third day, he what? He rose from the dead so that I can have abundant life right here and now because he lives, I can have life right here and now and with him forever. I believe that he ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, Almighty, which means he's over every spiritual force. There is no power of evil that can have any say or hold over my life because he's over them all. And that he will, he will come again to judge the quick and the dead, which means I'm accountable to him. 
I'm accountable to him, but I also know that the world is accountable to him. And if I'm experiencing injustice or oppression or troubles in my life, that one day he will make all things right. I believe in the Holy Spirit so that God has is, is revealed, what God has revealed himself in Jesus is not just out there somewhere in history, but he's actually come, he's present with me, that God desires to dwell in me, to make me a temple of his very presence within me. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, that because God is within us, we can have connection with him in this body throughout the world of people who believe in Jesus Christ. There's communion of the saints, that we have oneness with God and oneness with each other through the presence of the Holy Spirit, that there's forgiveness of sins, that we experience and that we proclaim to others that there is, I believe, in the resurrection of the body because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I know that I too will be raised with him and, and live with him forever. And I believe uh, in the life everlasting. This relationship with has no, him has no end. And if you don't recognize that, that's the Apostles' Creed. It's been around for centuries. And it's the story of Jesus, and we retell it over and over in our worship in various different ways. This is the whole story of Jesus, and it's all the gospel. It's all the good news. And as much as you have encountered of Jesus, there's more that you can learn about the story of Jesus. That's how you become an evangelist. That's how you share the good news of Christ, is knowing his story, encountering his presence, encountering his power, so that you're connected to that power source. That's where it all starts, amen? The second part of this, though, is my story. So we, if we know the story of Jesus, we're living into the story of Jesus, we're being formed by the story uh, of Jesus, then the second part is, what's, how, how does my story intersect with that? Because remember, we, we've got to have that connection. We've got to have that power source and that battery, but we've got to have a connection to that power source. And so that means knowing what is my story with Jesus. That's where our story kind of plugs in and connects to that power source that comes from Jesus. Paul said, in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. He's saying, I, I wanted to be in relationship with you, so I was telling you about a relationship with God, but I was also telling you about my own life. I was sharing my own story with you because then we would have a personal connection with each other that would enhance that connection between you and God. And so part of being equipped to evangelize others is knowing the story of God, but then it's what is my story? How have I encountered Jesus Christ? And could I communicate that simply to someone else? There's two reasons why you need to be able to tell your own story of encounter with Christ. Um, one is that it authenticates your story. It makes it authentic. In other words, you're not telling somebody else to do something that you yourself haven't done. You're not a hypocrite, right? Paul um, was on trial one time, and he had this habit whenever he got on trial of turning it into a moment to evangelize and witness to others. And so he begins to tell the person um, who was in charge of the trial there, he says, long time or short, um, my prayer is that everyone here would become like I am. And that was not an arrogant statement of like, hey, you all need to be like me. He was saying, I have encountered the living presence of Jesus, and therefore my desire, the, the, the passion of my heart is for you to experience that same encounter. And so my desire is to take my story and for it to be your story as well of a relationship with Jesus Christ. The second thing it does besides authenticate our story uh, is, it, is, it, is an evidence of the story. Again, Paul uh, was in a situation one time with some, some Christians in Corinth that were beginning to question his authority, and they were saying, hey, we want to see some letters you know, of recommendation that, that prove that you're valid, maybe your diplomas and degrees and certificates or whatever that prove you're valid. And Paul writes back to him, and he's like, hey, you, you are my letter. You are my letter of recommendation. Your changed lives are a letter from God. They're written 
not in ink, but by the Holy Spirit, not on tablets of stone, but written on the human heart, that your transformation of your life is a witness to the world. It's an added evidence. So there's historical evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, but there's also that the fact that my life demonstrates resurrection powers at work in me, transforming me, renaming me, as we were singing about earlier, changing my identity, changing who I am, connecting me with the heart of God so that I become um, not just a witness about Jesus, but a witness to Jesus. I become evidence of the transforming power of Christ. So Really telling your story to others is, is really as simple as, you know, kind of writing down um, what was my life like before Jesus? How did I come to meet Jesus? And, and then what is my life? How has my life been different after Jesus? And if you come to the workshop that we're doing on Wednesday night, we've been doing workshops every Wednesday at 6 o'clock over on Wesley Hall to just help process through the things we're teaching on Sunday morning. If you come to that uh, workshop, we're just going to take some time to write out the story, to really think through what was my life like, how has it changed uh, through Christ. And some of you are immediately thinking about, like you can identify with that. Like you know there was a moment when your life was heading one direction and you were totally far from God, heading away from him, and you were bringing destruction onto your life in, in so many different ways, and sin had control of you and you were a slave to it, and then somehow God spoke to you in a moment. He, he broke into your life. You saw the truth of who Jesus was for the first time, and you turned around towards him, and it's transformed your life in every way, and you're still growing into it. But you can say, yeah, he changed my name. I'm a different person now. Some of you are immediately thinking uh, of that kind of story. And so you kind of understand how to share your story with others. This is what Jesus did for me. But I just want to speak also to those who are in the room that are like me, that maybe you're church kids, and you grew up in church and you're generational um, Christians. And so sometimes we tend to look at that and we say, well, you know, I, I don't have that big dramatic story. I don't have that huge turning point moment where somebody looking from the outside would look at my life and see how it changed. Not because I'm any less of a sinner than anybody else or any less in need of, of Christ, but just because I had the blessing of being surrounded um, by Jesus and the things of Jesus, even you know, from as early as I can remember. And so you look at it and you say, well, there's not this big transformation. What would I tell people? There's two things that I want to share with you about your story. One is your story is always generational. It's generational. And what I mean by that is there was some point, maybe you grew up in a Christian family, but there was some point at which your parents and parents before them didn't know Christ and came to Christ. And their story is part of your story. The transformation that happened in generations past that is now benefiting you is part of the story that you can share. So I've been reading through uh, Deuteronomy lately, and um, it's, if you know that uh, part of the Bible, Moses is telling the, the people of Israel after um, the, the next generation, not those who came out of Egypt, uh, out of slavery into freedom, uh, but their, their, their children, he's reminding them, and he's speaking to them, and he says, you were there, you saw the wonders of, that God did in Egypt to bring the people out of slavery. Well, they, they weren't actually there, it was their parents that were there, but he speaks to them as, that's your story. And in fact, through the, um, through the process of Passover, every year, they would you know, recall that story, and they would speak of it in the first person. They would say, we were slaves in Egypt, but God came and rescued us and brought us out, and now we are, we are free because of him. And so you need to claim your generational story. You need to know, you know, how did God bring your parents to salvation? I can remember my dad talking about how he was in rebellion against his parents and against the things of God until a certain point 
in his life when God got a hold of him, turned his life around, and as a result of that, my life looked radically different than it would have otherwise. My, my mother would share how her father uh, was an alcoholic who was far from God, who was wrecking his family, and yet um, she came to Christ as an adult, and, and it transformed the trajectory, again, of my life, and, and then her dad later came to Christ, and it turned him around. So their story is part of my story that, that I want to share with others. This is the impact Christ has had on me. And I would just say, even to parents and grandparents in the room, um, sometimes we don't want to share with our kids what we were like before Jesus. Um, you know, and you need to share in a, in a way that's age appropriate, obviously. But I, I just want to encourage you, if, if you don't tell your kids how Jesus changed your life, you're robbing them of a testimony. You're robbing them of an opportunity to both know the power of God, how it worked in your life, but also the ability to then share that with other people that they can say, hey, God changed my parents' lives. He changed my grandparents' life. It's benefited me, and he can do the same thing for you. So the first thing is it's generational. The second thing is there's growth. If you're walking with Christ and you have a living relationship with him, it wasn't just some one-time thing you did at kids' camp 20 years ago, but you're actually walking with Jesus, there should be moments in your life where even though you already know Christ, the Holy Spirit does something in your heart where he reveals Christ to you in a new way. You begin to see Jesus in a new aspect in your life. And as a result of seeing more of Jesus, you become more like Jesus. And so your life may have been somewhat following him before, but it may have also been somewhat, you know, self-centered or self-focused or, or full of fear and so forth or anxiety. And so the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you in a new way. It transforms you and you begin to live differently. That's also an encounter with Christ. So you have a story to share if you are growing with Christ and you're being transformed moment by moment. You're having new encounters with Jesus. You have something to share with others about your story. And if you're not being transformed um, with, by that kind of story, well, then, then you know what to do, right? <laughs> like, you need to, like, go to the Holy Spirit and say, I want more Jesus. I want more Jesus in my life so I have more story to share with others. So there's, there's God's story. Again, this is our power source. Who is Jesus? What has he done? He's the one. He, it's bowed by his grace. He has done all the finished work for us. But then I'm taking that story and I'm connecting it to my story. How have I been changed? How has God renamed me? How has he transformed me uh, because of Jesus coming into my life? And then the third part then is um, your story. In other words, the story of the person that you're trying to share Christ with. Remember, there's two parts to our, uh, um, our jumper cables here. We, we have to have a good connection on one side to the power source, right? But we also have to have a good connection on the other side, there has to be a good, clean connection to the dead battery in order uh, for that power source to reach it. And so um, sometimes there might be some corrosion on there, some dirt on there that you know you have to remove, you make sure the clamps are on there good, so there's actually a good connection. Now, I will tell you that um, my wife and I, we were jumping off her van one time and we did connect the power cables backwards. And um, yeah, I've never seen metal melt so fast um, so there's a whole other sermon there about uh, the church doesn't need to connect to the world. The world needs to connect to the church. Amen. I'm not going to go um, there right now, though. But, but the point is, how are you actually making that connection with that other person? And what that boils down to is, am I listening to other people's story? Am I taking time to build that relationship, as Kevin was talking about? Am I hearing where people are coming from? Because every person comes from a different place than me. Every person is somewhat um, different in their outlook and their, and their worldview and their values and ideas. And I need to take time to hear their experiences and their stories 
and in order to understand where they're coming from so that I can make sure that how I'm sharing the story of Christ and the story of how it's changed my life is actually connecting to them. Now, that's challenging enough when it's someone of my own uh, culture and background. Uh, so thankfully, Jesus only commanded us to go and share the good news with those who come from our same nation and culture and background, right? Is that, no? Yeah, no, he did not. He actually told us to go to how many nations? All the nations, all the people groups, all the different kinds of people in the world. We're, we're, we're challenged to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to every kind of person. And so that means that we need to be students of not only listening to people's story, but even paying attention to things like language, worldview, culture, being students of that so we can understand where other people are coming from so that we can make a good connection with them and sharing the gospel. I remember being on a mission trip when I was a teenager in, uh, in Moscow, in Russia, and um, often our own culture, we don't become aware of it until it's in juxtaposition with another culture, right? And so uh, we were there, and the students from Russia said, you guys just laugh all the time. And I had never noticed this before, but as I reflected on what they were saying, I realized, yeah, you know, they're kind of right. If we're not at a funeral, uh, pretty much Americans are like constantly trying to trying to joke and make each other laugh. It's just kind of part of our culture. And so I realized in that moment, I didn't need to sort of um, spiritualize it towards them and be like, yeah, you need to be more like us and, and have more of the joy of the Lord and laugh more. Nor did I need to be ashamed of my culture and turn it around the other way and be like, oh, I should be more like the Russians. They're more serious and somber or whatever. But there were actually good things to learn from both because Jesus, I mean, the scriptures tell us to mourn with those who mourn and and laugh with those who laugh. So they were both valid expressions, but I needed to be aware of the cultural differences so that maybe our laughter or our frivolity didn't get misinterpreted and cause them to not hear the gospel. You, you understand what I'm saying? So we need to be students of culture in order to connect with others. And so now at this point, we may be saying, wait, I don't know, that's so complicated. Maybe I can't do evangelism. Maybe that's too hard for me. Uh, well, it, if it was hard, if you're a follower of Jesus, you still should do it because Jesus commanded it. He commanded us to reach every nation and every culture. So learning languages, translating the Bible, going out and finding ways to study culture. I'm so thankful for people like uh, Betty Todd is a member of our church who started a group here uh, to, um, to share about African-American cultural awareness so that people like me could learn more about the culture of African-Americans and be able to better have that connection. And so there's other ways that I can study. I can be a student of that. Um, but more than that, it's really not that hard because ultimately it comes back to this. Evangelism, like we said at the beginning, it's a heart-to-heart -heart transfer. It's the passion of God that gets into my heart, and I want to share that with others. And so I simply need to be guided by the principles of the love of God. What does 1 Corinthians 13 say about the love of God? It says, love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. So it doesn't have the idea my culture is better than everybody else's culture. It's not rude. So it doesn't um, um, just offend people and not be willing to learn, hey, that might be offensive to someone, so I should stay um, away from that so that I can better communicate the gospel. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. This is what being motivated by the love of God looks like. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 19 and 22. He said, though I'm free and belong to no one, so I'm not under anybody else's cultural rules, I'm free, to, uh, I don't belong to anyone except Christ, but I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. 
We are, we are at a moment um, in our society when there's so many forces that try to divide us, and, and we can so easily want um, to get into a culture war with people. But as, as followers of Jesus Christ who have been warned by the heart of God, um, Paul is saying, hey, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not under that. I don't have to be a slave to that, but I'm willing to put aside any rights, any of my rights, I'm willing to put that aside if in any way it could help me reach someone else with the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the one thing that I've dedicated my whole life to is not just promoting my own way or my own group or my own agenda, but the name and the honor of Jesus Christ. Amen? So in a moment, uh, the band's going to come and lead us in a song of response. And, uh, and, and as we um, have that song, we're going to take in, partake in communion together. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Um, again, going back to what I said at the beginning, Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the gospel. To know him and experience his presence is what evangelism is all about. And communion is one of the ways that we literally experience the presence of Jesus Christ. So I just challenge you today, open up your heart as we come into this moment. If it's the first time or the thousandth time that you could come into the presence of Jesus and experience his power and his love so that it will transform you and so that you can be used to connect and bring that transformation to others in Jesus' name.